0: In Daniel chapter number two, for a brief moment, I was early in the week, I was kind of thinking about trying to go through all of chapter two and then quickly realized that's not a good idea. Um, Especially because of, you know, just different things we had going on. The first service, we had a baptism and uh, Damon got baptized. We'll put a video together to show you guys next week. Um, But but we are going to get through part of uh, Daniel chapter two. ...through verse 24, and so as we turn there to Daniel chapter 2, uh, I'll bring you up to date in case you weren't here last week... ...or in case you weren't able to, to watch the, the, the sermon yet and get caught up if you missed. So Daniel and his three friends who are named, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, along with others, they are taken captive from Judah. And they are, are, are carried back hundreds and hundreds of miles... To Babylon. So Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, this is think like superpower here. Nebuchadnezzar is, is 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 powerful. He's just conquered Egypt. He's got a lot of momentum. He's got a lot of power. And, and he has taken back the people that he feels are going to be useful for his kingdom of Babylon. But we see God has a completely different plan. God has use for these captives in the nation, in the land of Babylon, in the superpower of Babylon, God has a purpose for them there. Because they're going to stand for God. And we're going to see multiple times that when they stand firm for God and they don't compromise, that God is going to bless them. And for the purpose of none other than God is going to be glorified in a pagan heathen nation of Babylon. That's what's going to happen on more than one occasion. So Daniel and his friends, they're here. God's already elevated them because they didn't compromise. They weren't going to eat the the meat and the wine that the king was giving them. Um, They just, they they said, no, we're going to draw the line here. And he did it like shrewdly and wisely. And God blessed him. God elevated them. God gave Daniel favor. And so now Daniel and his friends are elevated. They're part of the the, the king's um, wise men that would advise and give, give um, just different advice to the king. They're part of this. And so now we're going to find in chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar, powerful man. Most pow- maybe the, the most powerful man in the world at this time. He's not so powerful when God decides to deal with him. He's going to have this troubling dream that is going to shake him. And so we see here's, here's where we're at. It says the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, that Nebuchadnezzar, he dreamed dreams wherewith his spirit was troubled. It says his sleep break from his sleep was gone away from him. In other words, these dreams were keep they, they would he'd dream and it would he wouldn't be able to shake it. Have you ever had a dream like that? It's just something you can't shake. It seems so real. Well, Nebuchadnezzar was having these dreams on multiple occasions. He's having these dreams and he couldn't sleep when he'd wake up from these. And it says the king commanded, he brought all his magicians, all his astrologers, all the sorcerers, all the Chaldeans, because he wanted to know what these dreams meant. And it says he, he, he in verse three, the king said to them, I've dreamed a dream and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. So we just see this like, It's just amazing, and we know this to be true, but we see this here that, like, as powerful as he was, he wasn't more powerful than God. That God brought him down. God brought him to the the point where he was troubled. The man that was powerful, the man that was surrounded by, by strong, capable, powerful people, he thought he was untouchable, no doubt. He thought that he was safe, he was secure, and now God is troubling him with this dream. And don't we see like that same thing just in our society today? Like not maybe in the sense of like, you know, having like a troubling dream, but think about how advanced we are technological and think about how, how far we've come and all of the modern conveniences, but yet something like a hurricane hits and it just shows us like as prepared as we think we are, as powerful, as strong as we think we are, that like God can just show us in an instant that we need him. God can show us in an instant that we're not as powerful as we think, that we're not as in control as we think. So Nebuchadnezzar's troubled by this. Now we're gonna look his frantic response. So remember, Nebuchadnezzar is powerful and, and yet he's also just he's unreasonable. Because look, he's used to whatever he wants, he gets. He makes commands and he expects them to be obeyed. And if not, like he, he's he's the typical bully that has power. He just eliminates anyone that angers him, anyone that crosses him, anyone that gets in his way. And now we're gonna see this frantic response that he has. It says, then spake the Chaldeans of the king in Syriac, O oh, king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream, and we'll show you the interpretation. So he's saying. They're saying to the king, all his wise men are saying, okay, tell us the dream and we're going to tell you what this dream means. But Nebuchadnezzar is not going to tell him the dream. He's going to say, you tell me the dream and you tell me what it means. He says, look, I forgot this. It's, it's gone from me. Now it seems like what he's saying is, or the reason he's saying, tell me the dream is he wants to know if these guys are the real deal or not. He wants to know if they truly have the power to tell them what this dream means. So he doesn't want just some made-up answer. He wants to know, or he's telling them, I want to know what my dream was and what it means. And by the way, if not, I'm going to cut you in pieces, is what he says. This guy's absolutely just insane. He says, the thing's gone from me, and if you'll not make known unto me the dream with the interpretation... He says, you're going to be cut in pieces. Your house is going to be made of dunghill. In other words, he says, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to cut you up. And I'm going to destroy your house brick by brick. Like this is, this is, his, this is, is, is his demand. Like he's just this paranoid and this frantic. It's just, it's unreasonable. It's unreasonable. And the king, they answered and said, let the king tell his servants the dream. And we'll show you the interpretation. He's like, well, tell us the dream. And then we'll tell you what it means. They're trying again. And the king's on to him, though. He says, look, I know all that you're doing is trying to buy time. He's like, you're stalling. And it's not working. I see through this in verse 8. He says, the king answers, says, I know of certainty that you would gain the time. You're, you're trying to buy time. He says, because you see the things gone from me. He says, but if you'll not make known the dream, there is but one decree for you. In other words, he says, if you don't tell me this dream, your fate is that you will die. And you'll probably die a horrendous slow death. He says, you have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak before me till the time be changed. Therefore, tell me the dream and I shall know that you can show me the interpretation thereof. The Chaldeans answered before the king. They said, there's not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. Therefore, there's no king, lord, or ruler that asks us such things of any magician or astrologer or chaldean. They're saying, look, there's nobody, no other king, no other kingdom. Would there be a king that would make such a demand? They said, look, it's impossible for any man to know this. And that's kind of the point. That's kind of the point because God's going to give Daniel insight that only God can give. God's going to give Daniel wisdom that only God can give can bring no man can bring it none of the false gods none of their pagan gods could give them the meaning or tell them the dream only God could and it says it's a rare thing that the king requires this he says like no no other no one can show it except the gods whose dwellings is not with flesh and for this cause the king was angry and very furious And he commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the king now, he sends this decree, this decree went forth, the wise men should be slain. And they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. So Daniel and his friends, because they're lumped in with the wise men in Babylon, now they weren't involved in the the sorcery and the false worship of gods. And they weren't involved in that, but they were lumped in as wise men and advisors here. So the decree of all of these wise men being killed Is including Daniel and his friends. So they're, look, they're these magicians, these wise men, they're telling the king and they're trying to do it delicately because Nebuchadnezzar is just a maniac. They're saying, look, nobody else, no other kingdom. Are they requiring something like this? one. You guys can hear me fine, but then we're recording it. So, oops, sorry. So that's the issue, right? That's the crisis that, that Daniel and Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, they're all going to be included in this death sentence. They're going to be included in this death sentence. And so here's how Daniel responds. Now, how would you respond? How would I respond? Like, there's nowhere to run. They're in Babylon. Like, it's impossible to fight. Because Nebuchadnezzar and his army, like, it's, it's a handful of that. Like, there's nothing they can do. How would we respond? Probably we would be frantic. Probably we would panic. That's not Daniel's response. Again, not to say that there wasn't a human element of fear. But Daniel decides... By the power of God, that he's going to respond with wisdom and prudence. That's what verse 14 tells us. So this is the decree that went forth. And then Daniel answered, answered with counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. So Daniel's going to respond with wisdom here. Now this is important. When you're in a crisis situation that we, you and I, you know, we need, how do we need to respond with wisdom, with prudence, not frantic, not making crazy rash decisions. Because here's the thing, when we're fearful, when, 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 when we have anxiety, when we're stressed, we tend to not make good decisions. We tend to make bad decisions. We tend to make decisions without wisdom from God. We tend to make decisions without wisdom from godly people in our life. And maybe you're there right now. You're a, in a frantic state of mind. You, you have just a crisis in your life, and you're not responding. You're not, you're not making those decisions with wisdom. And we need to be wise. We need wisdom from God in those times. That's what the book of James tells us. James talks about as believers, when we go through, through all kinds of trials and difficulties in our life, he says this, at those times when we lack wisdom, we need to ask God for wisdom. God's the one that gives us wisdom. God's the one, and many times he uses other godly people in our life f- to gain wisdom. The the wisdom book of Proverbs talks about a lot of decision-making wisdom. And one of the things that says that when there's a multitude of counselors, there's going to be safety. So what that tells us is this, not, oh, you follow man, not God, but that you follow God. But many times God's going to use wise, godly people in your life when you're making decisions. That's why you need a community. Of believers. That's why you need a church. That's why you need people in your life. Because sometimes, look, we just don't see things that other people will see. And sometimes it's because we don't want to see it. L- like honestly, some of you maybe right now, the decisions that you're making, like if 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 you, you reverse that and someone's coming to you for advice, you would never advise them to do what you're about to do. You would never advise them to do what you're doing. But see, we tend to always think that we're the exception. We tend to always think that, for me, it's just going to be different. Yes, there's all these red flags of moving forward with this decision. There's all these red flags. And yet, sometimes when we're stressed or angry or, or lonely or whatever the... Crisis in our life, we tend to not respond and act with wisdom. But here's what we see: Daniel's going to answer. Daniel's going to respond counsel and wisdom to Arioch. So Arioch's the captain of the guard. This the, the, he he's got this 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 uh, group of hitmen that are just literally going house to house, killing these wise men that aren't giving the king this dream and the interpretation. Daniel answers, responds with wisdom. Verse number 17, then Daniel or so Daniel verse, sorry, verse 16. Then Daniel went in and he desired of the king that he would give him time and that he would show the king the interpretation. So this is amazing because God's going to give Daniel favor that no one else is going to have. See, because the, the other wise men and magicians, they're asking the king for time and the king says, you're, you're just stalling. You're stalling and it's not going to work, but yet God gives Daniel favor that these other men didn't have. Now that's what God does. And that's what God can do. That doesn't mean as Christians, we don't face adversity. It doesn't mean that you're you're never going to struggle. I mean, Daniel's in a horrible situation right here, but what God is doing is he's giving Daniel favor with King Nebuchadnezzar that no one else has. And so Daniel's Daniel's asking, what's, why, why, is it, why, is this, why is there a big emergency? Why is this thing so hasty in verse 15? And then so Ariok makes it known to him. And then Daniel goes in. So Ariok catches Daniel up to, up to speed on what's going on. Daniel goes to the king. And, and the king is going to give Daniel time. And here's what Daniel does. So Daniel responds with wisdom. Verse number 17. Now we're going to see Daniel and his friends are going to pray on this. Their response is with wisdom, their response is with prayer. It says, Then Daniel went into his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and his companions. He made it known to them. Why? So that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret. That Daniel and his fellows would not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. His response. He gets his crew right? He goes to his other fellow believers. He says, we're going to pray together. And this is exactly how we need to respond to crisis in our life with wisdom. You know what we need? We need people we can pray with and pray for. We need one another. Like we need one another. Not, Not in the sense of like that God's not enough. I just mean like that's God's plan. For us that we would live life with others, that we would have a community of believers and you need it. And I need it all the time. And especially, especially in times of crisis. So they get together and they pray, they pray on it. They pray on this. They go to God in prayer and this should be our first response. Not the last line of defense. That should be our first approach in times of crisis, in times when we need wisdom, in times when we need something miraculous, is to go to God about it. Daniel's praying together with his friends. He's going to God in prayer. But you know what? So often, prayer is an afterthought. It's the last resort. So kind of a Story. I probably told this before, but I, I was reading a book and I forget the author. It was a pastor, though, and he was talking about how and in the context of, of praying first about things and he was talking about in his early days of ministry, he was part of a, a smaller church that was just, you know, very like kind of board run and driven. And he's like tons of just pointless meetings and ridiculous meetings where they, everybody just wanted to argue. So he said he was in one of those meetings And there was just arguing and there was tension and then they, I I don't even know what they were, they were discussing, but he said, finally, someone piped up and said, I think we should pray about this. And someone responded, really come down to that. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Like this should be the first we start with, but yet so often it's like the last ditch effort. Oh, let's pray. No, let's start with prayer. Let's bathe our decisions in prayer. Let's pray with and for one another asking God for wisdom. And that's convicting because honestly, I sometimes struggle with that. It's like, there's an issue. There's a problem. Well, let's go and 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 do it directly right to the person, but let's go talk with them. Let's go get the people involved and let's, let's work it out. And those are steps to take, but let's pray first. Let's pray that God will soften hearts. Let's pray God will change hearts. Let's pray that God will give us wisdom. And that's exactly what Daniel and his friends do. They pray. They pray. So they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret. That Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men. Their their prayer is just beautiful. They're blessing God. They're thanking God. They're praising God. They're glorifying God when he answers his prayer, talking about how God is a God of might and God knows their, they know God is, is, is in control. They know God knows these things. And so here's an important principle, that their theology, what they knew and believed about God was evident in how they were living and how they were praying. Like it's important that we know God's word That we know about God. Now, some people, they have all this knowledge of the scripture, but they're not like acting upon it. Like it's not really like changing them and transforming them. And that's a problem right because theology and having all this knowledge isn't just so you can argue secondary things with other Christians your whole life it's not just so you can debate on pointless things or you know just seek on just the littlest thing how you can divide with somebody that's not the point of knowing scripture and having strong theology we need to know God's word why because it's going to then overflow in how we live it's going to overflow and be evident in how we're we're were praying to God. And you see, here's what they knew about God. Here's what they believed about God. They believed that God was omniscient. They knew that God knew what this meaning of this dream was because God gave it to him. They knew that God was omnipotent. That means God's all powerful. They knew that. And that's why they were going to God. They said the God of all might, They're going to God knowing that he knows all and and believing that he's all powerful and also that he's a merciful, loving God. They said they were desiring mercies of heaven, knowing that not only is God all powerful, not only is God all knowing, but that God actually cares. They're desiring mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret that they wouldn't perish. And then verse 19, now we see this. God's going to answer their prayer. God answers their prayer. Verse 19 says, Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. For wisdom and might are his. And verse 21. In my opinion, this is the key. To the book of Daniel. And it's not just my opinion. It's also the opinion of a lot of other Bible scholars and commentators on Daniel. But it says as he changeth the times and seasons. He removeth kings, setteth up kings. He gives wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them of understanding. It says he revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. Daniel says, I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might and has known, made known unto me how what we desired of thee. For thou hast not made known unto us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went in unto Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went in and said thus unto him, destroy not the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king. He says, because I will show unto the king the interpretation. And next we're going to see what the dream was and what the dream meant. And it's going to be powerful because it is prophetic. It's going to predict about what's going to happen about world rulers. And, and, and this is going to be powerful. But you got to come back next week and we'll talk about it or better yet, read ahead. And come back next week and we'll talk about it. But we see this favor that God gives to Daniel. This answered prayer. And here's their response. It's praise to God. Their response to this answered prayer is to praise God. And let me ask you this. When's the last time you've taken time? When's the last time I've taken time to thank God and praise God for answered prayer? Now prayer is asking. Prayer is going to God and going to him boldly. Because of that relationship through Jesus Christ that we can approach God. This is called, this teaching is called the priesthood of the believer. That as a child of God, you have access to God through prayer. You don't need to go to a priest. You don't need to come to me. You have direct access to God in prayer. And prayer is asking and you could boldly ask and boldly pray. That you will find grace, you'll find mercy to help in time of need. But let me ask you. Do we actually take time in prayer to praise God? Do we actually take time in prayer to thank God for his answers to prayer in our life? One of the most beautiful things that we do as a church when we gather together and and pray together and, and preach and teach the word together, but also when we sing praises together, when we lift up our voices and, and you don't have to do it in a church. You don't have to do it with other people. You can do it in your car. And some of us that don't sing well. That's the time we sing the loudest when we're alone in a car or, or in the shower or something like that. But listen, there's just something powerful about with other believers lifting our voice in praise to God through singing. I am so thankful for our musicians, for the hard work they do, and they do a great job. They do, they do it with skill. They, they do it well, and that's important to us. But listen, having musicians up here isn't about a performance. Now, they're good enough to perform, but it's not about a performance. This is, our model is Congregational. We want not just a few people up here singing. We as a church should be joining together and singing. And I know some of the songs, especially if you're newer to church, maybe you don't recognize some of the older hymns. Or, or, or maybe if you've been in church a while, but you haven't listened to some of the newer songs. And, and maybe sometimes there's a song you don't know. So I'm not trying to make you feel bad if like you're not just belting it out. But look, these songs are powerful. Because these songs are expressing what we believe about God. We're praising God. We're praising God. We praise Him in our song. We praise Him in our prayer. We should thank God and praise God each and every day. Yes, ask God for things. Yes, ask God for wisdom. Yes, ask God to supply your needs. Because in doing that, you're recognizing He's the one that does supply. But don't just ask. Come to God with a heart of thanksgiving and praise to God. We're going to see when God gives Daniel this favor, when he talks to the king... Not to get ahead of ourselves, we'll talk about it next week. But Daniel's going to be quick to give God the glory. He's going to say, you know what? I can't tell you what this means, but my God can. There is a God in heaven that can. And we see this amazing, amazing account once again of God's just protection and provision for Daniel and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. In a foreign nation, a pagan nation, yet God is going to be glorified through this. God's going to deal with King Nebuchadnezzar and God is ultimately, uh, ultimately going to be glorified through it. So we close with this, a few applications. Number one, when there's a crisis in our life, we need wisdom and prudence. We need godly wisdom. Look, there is no shortage of advice today, but we don't need advice. We need godly advice. We need godly wisdom that comes from God's word that comes from the Holy spirit that comes from walking with other walking and doing life with other believers that we can pray with that we can go to when we're in a crisis. Don't freak out. Don't panic. Don't make permanent decisions that are going to have lasting consequences by making something too hasty by being too rash. Now, sometimes Sometimes we ignore the handwriting on the wall. Like God's clearly speaking to us about something and bringing all these things into our life. And we're just oblivious. Like we just ignore it. But you know, there's other times like the pendulum swings way over here where we're just making like spur of the moment decisions. Like life altering decisions and we're making it like so hasty because we're making it out of fear or we're making it out of anger or we're we're making these permanent decisions when what we need to do is have wisdom. Have wisdom, have prudence. Secondly, we need to respond with prayer as our first first resort, not the last. It's not just a last ditch effort. Prayer should be what we do first. Go to God in prayer. Respond with wisdom. How do we get that wisdom? We ask of God. We ask of God. Holy Spirit, give us wisdom. God, give us wisdom as we read your word. God, give us this wisdom. We need to respond with prayer first, not last. Thirdly, we need to give glory to God when he answers that prayer. I mean, Daniel could have easily taken credit for this before the king. I mean, in fact, he is going to be elevated but Daniel's quick to give, give glory to God. What do they do when, they, when God reveals this to them? They praise Him. They thank Him. They thank Him. God deserves that glory and that praise. <clears throat> Number four is this: you need others that you can do life with and you can pray with. I know we're hammering this point home, but, but this, is, this is God's plan. I mean, you, you can't read you can't read the New Testament. And, and come away with any other conclusion than God's plan is for us to do life with one another. That, that we need a church family. And I, I know maybe some of you are kind of in transition right now. I know at 930 we had an absolutely full room. And several people expressed like, hey, we're just not really finding a, a place yet. We know where we need the land as a church family. And so, look, I'm not trying to guilt trip you if you're you know you're in that position or that place. I pray God will give you wisdom on where to land. But the important thing is make sure you have a community of believers, have a family of believers that you can live life with, that you can go to like Daniel did with his friends, even in Babylon, people that you can pray with together. And then lastly, recognize this, that God's the one that sets up and takes down. As one pastor put it, God's in charge of who is in charge. That's good, isn't it? It's true. It's true. That God's the one that sets people up. God's the one that removes them. And even in times of judgment for nations where maybe they have rulers or kings or leaders that don't love God and don't follow God. Still though, even in those times, we have to recognize God's in control of it. God's in control of it. Now, I don't think any of us would pick and want to live in in, in a place where we're going to be persecuted and and, and we're a nation that hates God and rejects God and denies God. Uh, But you know what? No matter how bad that it might get for us or even our fellow believers around the world right now that don't have the freedom we have, like they're worshiping God in fear of their life being taken, God's in control. God's the one that sets up kings and rulers And he removes them. And Daniel recognizes this. Daniel recognizes this. When he says that he changeth the times and seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise. And knowledge to them. That know understanding. That God is in control of this. Let's pray. God, thank you.